0: Good afternoon, everyone. It is May 17th, and it's a Wednesday, which is unusual because usually uh, we send these broadcasts out on Friday. But we're not going to be doing a Friday broadcast this week because on this Friday, we're all headed to St. Charles Convention Center for the 135th Anniversary Convention of the Missouri Funeral Directors and Embalmers Association. We're packing up all this week, getting everything together, getting everybody's badges ready to go, making sure all the speakers uh, know where they're supposed to be and uh, getting the last minute uh, registrations and tickets in and all that good stuff. We still have a few tickets left for the Cardinal game because we had uh, somebody that had to uh, had an emergency and, and couldn't do it. So we do have a few tickets left for the Cardinal game. If you get that in right away, we, we should be able to get you in. We, we have some spots left for that. Uh, as we can, you can still pre register this week. If you can do that, that's great because we can let the hotel know about food and things like that. If absolutely necessary, of course, you can walk in and register on Monday early on. The first session starts at 8 a.m. So you're going to want to get there bright and early. You won't want to miss these things. We've got some a great lineup of people. You can go to our website, Facebook page, take a look at when everybody is uh, speaking. Uh, again, we've got Dr. Jerry Tebbets, we've, uh who's going to be speaking on, uh, on Tuesday, on Monday. We've got Todd Van Beck is going to be talking about the history of embalming, particularly during the Civil War. All right. We've, uh, we've got a whole lot of great things going on. So uh, you can still get your pre-registration in today, tomorrow, Friday again iffy because at some point during the day friday we're packing up the vehicles and heading up to saint charles after that if you want to come you're going to need to stop by the registration booth uh, in the hotel or at the convention center and they're connected the embassy suites hotel and convention center connected if you haven't been there before and let us know that you want to register on site all right so that's the big news there but again Because of the convention next week, the other news is our office will be closed. We close the week of convention. That means we will not be getting any um, death certificate correction affidavits processed next week. If you have one that you're planning to send in, if you don't need special help with us, you don't need us to specially go over or seek a, a special appointment for it. It's probably better for you to just mail it in. There are about three or four weeks now. It takes them to do the death certificates. If you mail it in, you send it to us. We shave about a week off of that generally, but we won't be around next week. So sending it here won't save you any time because we won't get it till we get back. As always, if you have an emergency and you need to get a hold of me next week, well, come up to me to the podium because you should be at the convention and ask me what your emergency is there. No, but if you do have a problem, uh, feel free to call the answering service. But who will be answering the phone next week? Uh, make sure you tell them that it is an emergency and that a message has to get to me. Now, I may be up there talking in front of folks or in a meeting or something like that. So it might be a little bit before I can get back to you. But if it's an absolute emergency. Let the answering service know. Otherwise, uh, hold your stuff and we'll be back the following week. All right. Uh, One uh, follow up now on just a little bit follow up on the legislation. We're going to go into this in more detail for those of you to show at the convention. But I did have an interesting question that came up and it's why has it is it so hard to get things done over at the Capitol. Why, why does it take so long? Why is it hard to get a bill passed? Well, there's several layers to that problem. Uh, First off, They don't have as much time as you think they do over there because that by statutes, they have to do a number of things with the appropriations and with governor's appointments and things like that that eats up a lot of their time. So there's not as many days and they have a spring break built in and all this other stuff. So there aren't as many days as you might at first think. And they have lots and lots of bills that are filed. This past year, I added it up. 3,940, bills and resolutions were filed at the state capitol. Of those, 42 bills got passed. 42 bills got passed, fully, completely, finally agreed to and sent to the governor's office. 42 out of over almost 4,000 filings. That is the lowest number of bills passed by the Missouri legislature in its entire history, with the exception of the COVID year where they basically met for a few weeks and then shut down. So it is a problem. And the problem stems from several different levels. If you want to get into a lot of good political science and political stuff and parliamentary procedure kind of things. All right. Uh, and, and, and that's what we're going to delve into right now, because people have asked, and since you asked, you're going to hear the answer. Back when they first started creating parliaments and senates and congresses and things like that, we're going back to merry old England uh, in the early days, they came up with parliamentary procedure. You all are, might be familiar with Robert's Rules of Orders. The original Robert Rules of Orders goes way, way back and was designed for the English parliament. When they did that, And by the way, I used to be a member of the American Parliamentary Association, so I'm a nerd on several levels. Uh, Haven't renewed that in a long time. But when they did that, one of the sacrosanct things, one of their most important core values was the ability to debate. The ability to speak for or against an issue and not be cut off. Cutting off debate was purposely made close to impossible, that once somebody had the floor and once somebody is talking and once a debate is going on, that goes on. Now, from a uh, political analyst point of view, uh, there are many people would say that that was done on purpose to make it more difficult to pass legislation Uh, because the conservative mindset was we don't want to change things. We want the status quo to stay the way it is as much as possible, and we don't want something to change unless there's been a lot and a lot of consideration and debate on that issue. Whether you you take that, uh, that philosophy or not, the fact of the matter is it is, in standard parliamentary procedure, very hard to shut somebody up. Now, that has been loosened over the years, and there are methods, and for example, at both the National Senate, Congress, you know, in Washington, D.C. and at the, in Missouri Senate, it is easier than it was maybe 100 years ago to cut off debate. Well, the original purpose of that, arguably, was, well, we want to talk about an issue. We want to talk about both sides of the issue. We want to make sure we flesh it out and see, you know, whether or not it's really a good idea or not. But that led to the institution of what we call in the united states a filibuster a filibuster is where somebody gets up and starts talking and does not shut up and once they have the floor particularly on the senate it is very very hard to shut them up and they just keep talking and talking and they will get out an, a book uh and just start reading from it you know uh you know tom sawyer huckleberry finn you know any anything it does, the, there have been instances where people read uh, cookbooks, read all the recipes, and they just talk for hours and hours and hours and sometimes days and days and days. Um, you can Google it up. You can see that the longest filibuster in the U.S. Senate was, uh, I believe it was uh, Strom Thurmond uh, who was protesting. I, you know, Don't quote me on that because I didn't look it up this morning, but I think it was Strom Thurmond who uh, was protesting the 1964 Civil Rights Act, uh, spoke held the floor for a huge, huge period of time before uh, that finally ended. But the filibuster, again, the original concept of the filibuster was you have a piece of legislation you don't like. And you don't want it to go to a vote. So you're going to talk and talk and talk till you wear everybody out. And hopefully either they run out of time or they decide to drop it because they got other, you know, other stuff they want to do and uh, it's not worth it. Uh, to do that. If you want a if you want to see a uh, uh, glorified, positive view of the filibuster, uh, go look up the movie Mr. Smith goes to Washington where Jimmy Stewart is filibustering to try to stop something that he knows is bad and evil. Well, that's what the filibuster originally was for. You got a piece of legislation or an appointment or something like that that you did not like and you were trying to stop. Well, at least here in Missouri, at least here in Missouri, that has changed a little bit. Hold on just a second. I've got an issue here. Sorry about that. I had a little little power problem there. Uh, So at least in Missouri, however, in the last couple of years, things have changed. And the filibuster is not just to stop a piece of legislation you don't like. It's used as a retaliatory measure, in a sense. The bill that's up for debate, the person might actually support. The person might actually vote for if it ever comes to a vote. But they are filibustering, not because they're against that bill, because but they're upset from something else that happened maybe a week ago. Uh, my bill didn't get passed last week. Therefore, I am going to filibuster all these other bills. Okay? Or, um, you know, you you sponsor, you're the sponsor of this bill that's coming up. I like the bill. It's a good idea. Normally I would support it, but you didn't vote for my bill last week. And you're, since so, you didn't vote for my bill this week. Not only am I not going to vote for your bill this week, I'm going to filibuster it, and I'm going to talk and talk and talk, and that is what happened at the Missouri Senate this year. We had several instances where people, senators, were getting up and filibustering, not because they were opposed to the actual piece of legislation that was up for a vote. It's because of something that happened elsewhere with a completely different bill, or they were mad at somebody else or they wanted to force their issue forward in the next few days or something like that. You can take a look. There were articles on the Post-Dispatch, the Kansas City Star, uh, St. Louis Today, all, all, just about all the papers had, had very similar articles about that kind of thing going on. That almost happened to our bill. Almost happened to our bill in the Senate. What happened was uh, the sponsor of our bill uh, had had a uh, – was Charlesville chairman of the committee and a different Senator had a bill that was in that Senator's committee and it was not getting a hearing as fast enough for Senator number two. Uh, the bill was scheduled to have a hearing like two weeks away and that Senator number one had scheduled the bill to have a hearing in a couple of weeks and Senator number two wanted to have, it was upset that that hearing hadn't already happened. So unfortunately it was when our bill was on the floor, Senator number two started a filibuster. He was going to filibuster this until the Senate shut down. Um, He wasn't opposed to our bill, but he was upset with about something that happened with one of his bills. Now on that one, fortunately the filibuster was taken care of one of those, uh, you know, back in the old days when you could smoke over there, you would say it was a smoke-filled room, thanks to our sponsors, thanks to Senator Brown, thanks to Representative uh, Hux, thanks to uh, Representative Sussman, who is a fu- funeral director, former uh, operator of funeral home, so he knows what's going on, and big thanks to Lieutenant Governor Mike Kehoe, because Lieutenant Governor Mike Kehoe, of course, uh, is very influential on things like that, and in our particular case, he helped uh, work out something so that the filibuster did not pass, did not prevent our bill. It didn't go. He he stopped the filibuster. So our bill went through the Senate, and then it went over to the House. Uh, And uh, as I mentioned last week, we did have to get some new stuff that was added on, stripped off, so it would not have to go back to the Senate, because if you take a look at those articles, that last week of the Senate, much nothing got done. And they had to even shut down early a couple days. And uh, I don't think a single thing passed the last day and a half or two days of the Senate. Nothing, not even, you know, not even we love apple pie and uh, our veterans or anything like that. Nothing got passed because of filibusters going on again, not about the issue at hand, but because somebody was doing the filibustering was upset about a completely different issue issue. So once again, if you missed last week, what did our bill do? It was Senate Bill 116. It passed both houses. It got completely and agreed to, and it's been sent up to the governor's office. Uh, We have to wait to make sure the governor signs it. We think it will, because it was a clean bill. There was nothing attached to it, and that's a problem that we've had in the past. As you might expect, when only 42 bills out of almost 4,000 things get passed, that very last couple weeks, People start attaching things to bills. They amend it by adding other bills. So bills get combined. It's called a Christmas tree. You get a bill that's general enough so that all these other issues can get put onto the bill like ornaments on a Christmas tree. And that unfortunately happened to our bill in the past. Something here or there would get attached to it that the governor didn't like. And so the bill got vetoed not because of our issue the governor was fine as far as we were uh, we're told with our stuff but he didn't like some of the christmas tree stuff that got hung on to it that was what was important about this year our bill went through clean thanks to our sponsors and thanks to the leadership uh, of the house that was great working with and they got that bill through without anything attached to it yeah, so it can go to the governor as it is. And again, that bill does a number of things. The, one of the most ones that will impact everybody is that if a divorce action is pending, you, a, a husband and wife have uh, filed for divorce and that divorce action is pending, then those spouses or soon to be ex-spouses are no longer in the chain of command for determining what the final disposition is. They are removed from the uh, uh, right of sepulchre list uh, that we always talk about all the time it also eliminates some of those very old stupid laws from the 1800s that uh, we've been trying to get rid of for a long time nobody follows those laws you're not supposed to follow those laws but unfortunately they're still in the book so they cause confusion and people who are studying for the law exam, we've got to learn all that stuff because it's in the law books. You know, it's there. So you, so you need to study that stupid stuff. And it also clears up a, a number of other uh, items. And we'll have a full-blown, line-by-line, uh, line, here's what everything that bill does, uh, assuming that the governor signs it. There's no reason to go into great detail until we know that he signs it. We expect he will, but we'll wait till after he does that before we send out the full analysis. And once the governor does sign it, it would go into effect August 28th is when that would kick in. Another bill of interest that did get passed, and this was on a Christmas tree bill. This one got added on to a Christmas tree bill. So we got to see if there's something in that Christmas tree, one of those ornaments the governor might not like. But assuming he signs that great big bill that has tons and tons of stuff on it, one of the things in there uh, that came from Vital Records Uh, Is that it makes it absolutely 100%, no exceptions, no way around it. Doctors must do the death certificate electronically, period. No drop to paper, no anything else. Doctors must do the electronic death certificate, period. Now we know that uh, you haven't been able to do drop to paper in quite a while anyway, because The statute always said the local office may do it, not that they had to do it, all right? And uh, once they figured out that the word may was in there, they stopped doing it. But doctors, some doctors have still been relying on some of these sections in the old law to try to say, well, I don't have to do it electronically. Well, that's going to be out of there. Again, won't go into effect until August 28th if the governor signs it. And that's that. Also, uh, while we're talking about death certificates, they are moving forward with uh, working on uh, testing and uh, shaking out any bugs and looking at the new details of the new uh, electronic Moeber system that's going out. <coughs> Again, there's go- they're going to be uh, looking for people to help uh, beta test it, to try it out, to see how it works, to see how there's training's is doing. Uh, if you're interested in being part of that program, uh, send us an email uh, and we'll get back to you but not for a couple of weeks because we got a lot of stuff to do here to get ready for the convention. And then next week, that's where we're going to be. So we hope we see you all in St. Charles. we got a lot of people showing up. It's going to be a lot of great things to do, a lot of fun, a lot of information. And that's where we're going to be next week. Hope we see you there. And we hope when we see you there, you are staying safe.